nowadays there are so many more opportunities in the arts than when I was your age. You don't have to necessarily only be involved in being an actor or being a dancer or being a visual artist. There are so many creative industries now that young people can get involved in. I think it's a really exciting time to be involved in the art. And for me, I can't imagine my life if I'd have actually gone into anything but the art. Hi everyone and welcome back to the I Impact podcast, the podcast that aims to redefine and expand the boundaries of a social impact career. I'm Evie and alongside my co-host Elise, we are so excited you are joining us in our journey of finding purpose in our professions. Today we are joined by a dear friend of mine who played a fundamental role in nurturing my love for the arts and giving me the opportunity to perform in Hong Kong through the Hong Kong Youth Arts Foundation. I'm so excited to welcome Lindsay McAllister onto the podcast. Thank you. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here with us. I've so enjoyed getting to know you over the past few months. And of course, you and Evie are close. So that's fantastic. Just to give our listeners a bit of context on you, Lindsay worked for the Arts Council of Great Britain and the Gobenkian Foundation, implementing the arts in schools. Lindsay left the UK to travel. And after one year, she arrived in Hong Kong. That was 35 years ago. And then in 1993, Lindsay founded the Hong Kong Youth Arts Foundation. And Lindsay was awarded an MBE on the birthday honors list in 1997 for her work in the field of youth arts. And then was awarded an OBE for her contribution to UK arts overseas. Lindsay is more than accomplished. Today on the podcast, we will be diving into two main topics. The first will be creating HKF and the second will be all about her arts and impact work. Amazing. So let's dive straight into first topic. Lindsay, you have made it your life's mission to allow for everyone to engage in the arts and we would love to know where this passion began. When did you know that engaging in the arts was something that you loved and wanted to do and why did creating opportunities for other people to engage in the arts become your mission? So I was always the kid who would be in front of the mirror with the hairbrush singing along to a song. I would be the kid who would be out in the garden entertaining the family by putting on short shows. So I think I've always had a passion for entertaining and a passion for performing. But actually, I'm not very good at performing. I'm actually much better at getting other people to perform. And I think from a very early age, I also was highly creative, but I don't think anybody really picked it up. Someone asked me recently, when did you start directing? And I was like, oh gosh, when did I start directing? And it reminded me of a time when I was about five and my mum used to get catalogues. This was before online shopping. And when she'd finished with the catalogues, I used to cut out all the figures and cut out furniture and clothes. And I, I would lay them out on the carpet at home. And in my head, I would be like writing little scenarios and creating characters. So I think I've always had this thirst and a passion to create. And I've been incredibly lucky that coming to Hong Kong, I've been given the opportunity to be able to work with young people and to give them opportunities in the arts that I actually really didn't have as a child. My parents didn't really want me to get involved in anything theatrical or creative. And I used to sneak out 
an audition for shows you know? and then I'd get into the show and I'd be like oh my goodness I'm gonna have to tell them I'm actually in a show so it was always done very sort of vertly and I just want young people to have opportunities that I didn't have as a child. That's absolutely wonderful to hear continuing on that story and what you've done now is you founded the Hong Kong Youth Arts Foundation in 1993 happy 30th anniversary Thank by the way and this was at a time where the opportunity for young people to express themselves through the arts in Hong Kong was nearly non-existent. Please tell us more about this journey of starting HKF and building it to become one of the most successful arts organizations in Hong Kong and globally. I was traveling in Southeast Asia for a year. And the intention was to go back to the Arts Council. But when I arrived in Hong Kong, the moment I put my foot on Hong Kong soil, I had the angel choir moment and the big booming voice from above or in my head or in my heart telling me that actually I'd been brought to Hong Kong to do something magical and special. And you can't deny a sign like that. So within an hour, I'd actually called the Arts Council and said, I'm not coming back. So I had no idea what I was going to do in Hong Kong, but just knew that there was going to be something special happening. So did a whole load of horrible jobs like working in kindergartens and choreographing fashion shows. And then I got an artist in residence program at one of the English schools foundation schools and realized that I really did want to work with young people, but I didn't necessarily only want to work with expatriate young people. And so I wanted to create something which was for the community of Hong Kong and for young people who maybe couldn't afford some of the opportunities that more wealthy young people could afford. So I decided Hong Kong needed a youth arts festival. So we started out as a youth arts festival. And so approached lots of people, made connections, talked to people about my vision, and it was door slam, door slam, until one day, three different people mentioned the same name to me, and the name was Po Chung, and Po Chung was the entrepreneur who brought DHL to Asia. And they said, all three of them said, you should contact him because he's just about to launch this new initiative where he's looking to give seed funding, great ideas in the arts. So obviously contacted his assistant and she gave me the information. She said, could you write a proposal? I was like, God, I've no idea what a proposal is. So she told me what a proposal was and I wrote one. And then she rang me a few days later and said, he loves your idea. So will you come in and do a presentation? And I was like, oh, presentation, is that a one-woman show? And she was like, kind of. So anyway, I obviously created my Lindsay McAllister one-woman show of what the foundation, the festival would look like. Went in, did the presentation, and it was very intimidating. So it was this bank of very like high-profile businessmen. And I was like a bit scared to death because I'd never done anything like that before. But they loved it. But they also said, you've got no track record, you've got no connections in Hong Kong, you're terribly high risk, no, we're not going to give you the money. And so leaving that meeting, I'd already done quite a few presentations. I came to the realisation that I actually had to put my money where my mouth was to actually make this thing happen, to prove that I could do it. The only thing was I didn't actually have any money. 
So what do you do when you haven't got any money? You go to the bank and you ask for an overdraft. So my bank was Standard Chartered Bank, which is ironic because they're now one of our massive sponsors. So went to see the bank manager and the bank manager invited me into his office. What can I do for you? I said, well, I've got this fantastic idea, but I don't have any money. So can I have an overdraft? And obviously before computers. So he was like flicking through his book of numbers. And he said, do you know how much money you've got with our bank? And I said, about 500 Hong Kong dollars, which is like absolutely zero. And he was like, how much do you need? And I said, 250,000. And he was like, oh my goodness, absolutely no way, no way. So I just said, I'm just going to sit here until you give me the money. And I, the poor man, absolutely shocked. Anyway, the day went by, I sat in his office. He kept popping his head round the door. And eventually at four o'clock, I thought I'm going to get thrown to the curb because the bank's closing. He came in and he said, do you promise you're going to give me this money back? And I was like, yeah, of course, I promise. Not knowing how on earth that was going to happen. And so he said, congratulations, $250,000 has been transferred into your account. So, woo. so I immediately got everything in order, booked theatres, booked venues, got artists, contacted schools. Everything was in motion. We created a programme and sent it to all the people that I'd met along the way. And obviously Poe was one of them. So a couple of days later, he called me and said, I'm looking through your brochure, very impressed. It looks great, but I'm totally confused as to how you've managed to pull this, this off. There's no sponsor logo. Where's the money? So anyway, I told him the story about the bank manager, which he thought was absolutely brilliant. Mm. And he said, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, whatever you want me to be doing tomorrow. So I went to his office and he's a tiny little man and he was sitting at this massive desk and he's got a touch of the theatrical. So he had his pen poised over a checkbook as I walk through the door and he said how much is your overdraft and I was 250,000 so he wrote me a check for 250,000 and then he said how much do you need for your whole first year and I was like a million and he wrote me a check for a million dollars and so that was for me an amazing affirmation of the fact, if you believe in something strongly enough, if you have a passion and you're motivated, just go for it. And I have approached the entire rest of my life in both personal and professional in that vein. Wow, Lindsay, that is such an incredible story. And I always love hearing it, especially having <laughs> worked with Hong Kong Yaf and really seeing the impact that you're creating for so many young individuals in Hong Kong who want to engage in the arts. It's just so great that you took that step and really fought with your convictions and you were able to start this amazing organization. So congrats on that. You recently just finished your flagship show for this year, Imperfect, which was written and directed by you. And it's a tale of three teenage girls and their journey to self-esteem. We would love to hear about how this musical idea came to be and what is the significance of this musical to you and the impact that you've seen of this project. So Hong Kong's gone through a really rocky four years. So we had social unrest initially, and then we've had three years of COVID. So the spirit in Hong Kong has been quite 
down, which is very unusual because one of the reasons I love Hong Kong is the can-do spirit and the positivity. And a lot of the creative team that I've been working with for a long time actually left Hong Kong, which is super, super sad. And so I was left in a position where I usually create musicals, uh, you know, quite big end of show events. I usually would take a musical that's an existing piece of theatre and then we would buy the rights and then we would put it on. And I love doing that. But then because of the change of the creative team, I was a bit nervous to get like a new designer, a new choreographer, other partners to work with me. And so during the beginning of COVID, when we were working from home, I started to play around with a few ideas for, I didn't really know what I was playing around with, but it evolved into a show which was looking at the issue of catfishing. So are the people that you, as a young person, are communicating with on the internet, are they real or are they fake? And I just thought that was such an interesting concept. And so I actually wrote a show about it. And that was the very first show we did after COVID or after the first wave of COVID, because in Hong Kong, obviously, we've had numerous waves. And it was very well received. And a lot of the young people who participated and also came to see it were saying that this is so much more relevant. This is so much better than doing a music like Oliver, because what is the relevance of Oliver today? Or even Rent or Spring Awakening or one of the more contemporary musicals. So that gave me a lot of food for thought. And so Hashtag, which was the social media show, became the first of a trilogy. Woohoo! So the second show was last year, and it was called Only a Girl. A lot of the young people that I've been working with have come out to me recently, and they've also started using different pronouns on their social media. And so I was curious to know more about that. And I really felt it was time that YAF created a show which really celebrated young people's gender identity. And so that gave me the opportunity to write Only a Girl. I'm obviously the wrong age, the wrong culture. There's so many reasons why I shouldn't be writing these shows that <laughs> I wanted to make them very authentic. And so I actually work with young people from the LGBT community in Hong Kong, got their stories. And even though I didn't actually follow one a collaboration and a co-creation of lots and lots of different little stories that I've heard. So that was the second piece. And then I was keen to follow it up with a third piece. And again, body image issues, I think it's universal. It's not particularly new. It's not particularly now. It's not particularly current, but it's very important. And originally I was thinking it would be interesting to look at gender dysmorphia and how young people are struggling maybe with eating disorders and then I just felt I'm maybe missing out on other body image issues that young people may be experiencing and because I was hot on the heels of the LGBT show and one of the things that I'd heard from a number of young people was the fact that they didn't identify with the body that they'd been born in so that sort of led me down the body dysphoria path. And then I like odd numbers, so I couldn't just have two characters. I needed to have a third character. And so then I was like, what can the third character be? And then I was thinking it would be quite interesting to have a character 
who had a body image issue, but it wasn't apparent when you looked at them necessarily. And so the third character was a young woman who'd been involved in a, in a fire as a child, and she had a lot of scarring all over her body. And so she covered it up with clothing, but also with tattoos. She just put on an armour to make her appear very aggressive, to shield herself. And actually, I thought that worked extremely well, having those three different personalities. Thank you for sharing that, Lindsay. I think one of the reasons you're the best at what you do is not only are you choosing really contemporary and important issues, but you're really digging deep and getting creative in terms of how you choose to look at the issue and how you represent it in innovative ways is wonderful and congratulations again we'd love to chat a little bit too about the major challenges to getting involved in the arts as a youth in hong kong and how does hkf work to solve that it's interesting you use the word challenge so i've actually banned any words like challenges or problems from the yes vocabulary because obviously the last three years, there have been many. So now, instead of using those words, we've reframed all of that as opportunities. So my team absolutely hate me. So in meetings, somebody will be going, oh, we've got an opportunity here. Yeah, so we've reframed things. So that if we can't get a venue, that's not a problem anymore. That's an opportunity to find a new venue or think about doing things in a different way. So your question about what are the opportunities in getting people involved in the arts? I still think there's an awful lot of negative thinking about the arts. But I think these days, when everything is a little bit precarious, I don't think the arts are any more precarious than any other profession, perchance. The way that we do the arts, they're free of charge. They are to empower and inspire young people to find their voice creatively. When parents come and say, shouldn't our kids be doing homework or shouldn't they be doing science or shouldn't they be focusing on things that are actually going to get them a career at the end of the day? I always stress that getting involved in these projects, okay, it's an art project, but the actual spin-offs are massive. So as a young person, yes, you are getting involved in the arts, but you are also being encouraged to be an excellent communicator, problem solving, thinking. You're being encouraged to collaborate and co-create, teamwork, leadership potential, persistence, motivation, empathy for others. So actually getting involved in a YAF or any arts project goes way beyond the actual art side of things. And at the end of the day, as a parent, you want your children to have all those beautiful qualities because it makes them so much more well-rounded as an individual. And as an employer, obviously you want people who are going to exhibit all those strengths and skills. In Hong Kong, I think culturally a lot of the more local school, it's about A-star, which is fine. A-stars are great. I've never actually ever had an A-star, so I don't know if it's great, but I'll assume it's great. If you go into an interview for a university or for a job, if you've only got A-stars, you've actually nothing to talk about. Whereas if you've got A-stars, but you've also done a YAF project, actually that's the sort of thing you can talk with passion about and something to actually engage in a conversation rather than 
I'm academically perfect. Yeah, Lindsay, I'm so glad that you bring that up. I think especially in Hong Kong and all around the world, I think the arts is just undervalued. And there's so many important skills that you can gain from engaging in the arts. And some of the most passionate, hardworking, inspiring people that I know are artists. I would love to actually touch upon the opportunities, especially during COVID. It was really impressive to see how you put on a show, even when there were quarantine restrictions and all of these lockdowns. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you leaned into these opportunities and what went into thinking about this? Yes, it would have been super easy just to curl up in a ball and go to sleep for three years. But obviously that is not the F way. So we're all about reinvention and recreation. And so rather than saying, oh, we can't do that, what we said was we can't do that in the way that we've done it before, or we can't do that in the way that we originally planned to do that. How can we do that? So again, it's about reframing something in a way that you can do. And so many young people in Hong Kong felt very isolated, lacked connection. And the arts is such a beautiful, wonderful way to connect people. And so we felt very strongly that as many projects as possible that we could actually either create online or we could create creatively so for example hashtag was done whilst we were social distancing in hong kong and so the designer actually created a set where the whole of the floor area was actually set out in grids which was socially distanced grids wow and all the cast were wearing masks, obviously, and we're still wearing masks. Here we are three years later, Hong Kong, still wearing masks everywhere when we go out and about in public. So during that time, I actually created the show, Spatially Distanced. Now, the great thing about the concept was the fact it was all set in a digital world. So actually, it really wasn't that bigger opportunity for me. YAF is an incredibly blessed organisation that if we want something, you put it out to the universe and it's going to come back to us. We are unbelievably fortunate that things just fall into place. And I think that's part of the reason is we don't worry too much. We just expect good things are going to happen. Lindsay, we absolutely adore your mindset and we've seen a similar one on many of our guests because we really do believe that those like yourself and our other guests who are integrating impact into their work, it takes having that can-do attitude and being super innovative. So we love hearing yet again an incredible example of that. So thank you for sharing. On that same line of innovation and creation, will you tell us a little bit more about the process of conceiving a creative idea for a project and how do you actually see that initial brainstorm or idea through to its completion and really what's the most challenging and some of the most rewarding parts? So I'm very much a heart person. I'm not really a head person. So a lot of people say to me, oh, you spend like years developing and devising and thinking. I'm like, no, not really get idea and then I literally just sit down and write idea and then obviously I'm going to read it and I'm going to edit it and if I need to research I'll do some research but usually I don't overthink it because we're working on quite tight deadlines and so you can't really afford to spend 
three years developing a show. So normally I would spend a couple of months from the original idea, but researching, talking to people, writing it. And then we have an audition. So in the COVID times, we actually did a an invited audition, but now Hong Kong's a little bit more open. So we have an open audition. We usually attract around about 600 young people to the auditions. We're looking for around about maybe 30, 40, 50 people sometimes for a show. So we have a lot of opportunity to pick like the best of the best. From that point, we then do a callback. So we see everybody again and ask them to do something a little bit more detailed. And then the rehearsal process is usually three months. So we have rehearsals with the actors. So I am responsible for rehearsing with the actors. And then we have choreographers because even though we're not creating musicals, all of my work has got a very strong musical element to it. And because Yaf dance is really amazing and we have some fantastic choreographers, both professional choreographers, but also youth choreographers who we want to empower and give them opportunities for the future. So it's very much a family. The idea is that we're creating connections. We want people to feel that they are very much part of it, that it's their show. And so over the three month period, it really is just developing what's already been created and then we have a very short run so for me it's the process is the most important thing for me that's what gets me excited I see young people really grow and thrive in that three-month period and then obviously for the cast one of the most exciting things is actually be sharing their work to a massive audience in a professional venue in Hong Kong. Oh, it's so great to hear about that because I'm just reminiscing on the show. <laughs> and I wish I was back in Hong Kong and could be performing Hong Kong again. I wish you were. Yeah, definitely what you said about family rings so true. Some of my closest friends are still people in Hong Kong, yeah. And really that journey of auditioning and then putting a show together in three months, it's actually pretty spectacular. And I think everybody shares that passion for being involved in the arts and obviously because they're getting a professional experience. Many of the young people we work with will go on and they'll be on the West End or Broadway or at the moment Isabella Way, who is a contemporary of yours, is actually taking a lead in the new Netflix thriller 1899 and she was actually discovered during hashtag when she actually played one of the lead roles so I think part of what's going to put Hong Kong on the map in an artistic way is by having our talent actually be represented overseas. Yeah, that's incredible. So many people in our cohort who were with Hong Kong Yaf are now going to do Netflix shows, doing movies. It's absolutely incredible. That is really something that you should be so proud of, Lindsay. Okay, great. We're going to go on to the second topic with arts and impact, which we've already touched upon with some of our questions. But I would love to ask, many of Hong Kong Yaf's projects tackle important social issues as we've just talked about, and give space to those who may not otherwise have opportunities to feel comfortable to express their uniqueness via art. How do you view art as a medium for making a positive social impact in the world? Obviously, we work with young people. So that obviously 
informs and transforms lives. And I, I see our work transforming lives on a daily basis. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm still sitting here after 30 years, that I find it's so exciting just to see that transition in a young person. In Hong Kong, we don't only work with young people. So over the years, probably over the last 15 years particularly, we've actually looked at a much broader community in Hong Kong. So we actually run programmes where we have young people working with other members of the community. So a lot of our projects are actually working with young people who live in areas that maybe don't have quite so much as other areas, so disadvantaged young people. But we also work with the elderly. So actually by pairing young people with the elderly and rather than just creating a programme where kids perform for other members of the community, it's actually a co-creative process. So young people working with the elderly is a really beautiful way to connect and to really give young people an opportunity to see the elderly in a different light. Because I think a lot of times young people are a little bit dismissive of the elderly. And so by being involved in these programmes, it actually fosters respect, I think, both ways. And some of our projects are actually looking at things like technology in the arts. So actually thinking about the older generation who maybe aren't quite so confident using technology. And so maybe they don't have even a phone or a tablet. Maybe they don't actually know how to, a bit, a bit like me this morning, trying to work out how to get onto this platform. They need somebody to actually help them with that. And so by creating visual art or performing art projects which actually harness technology and get young people to work with the elderly to actually give them a hand and to show them how to do things and demystify technology that's one of the things that we've been doing recently another thing that I'm particularly proud of is a project called Urban Canvas where we have young artists going into the community and working with very local districts where they have the shutters on the shop front which is a very sort of old Hong Kong idea and so we get artists to work with the people who own the shops find out their stories find out the history of the district and then create a visual representation which then gets painted on the shutter. When we first created the project, it really was like a celebration of different areas. And then we realised that actually the shutters were up most of the day. So we decided that again, we needed to do something about that. So we created an app. So now you can actually go and you can point your phone at something and the shutter comes down on your phone. And so you actually get to see the artwork. And then we develop that into cultural tourism. People coming to Hong Kong and actually wanting to go around different districts. So we'd actually focus on different temples or different tea shops where Mrs Wong was making particularly lovely pineapple bombs or something and so it became a whole cultural experience. Thank you for sharing that Lindsay. We love hearing all about the different types of projects you're working on and they're always so creative in that you're not just getting youth but you've gotten elderly involved in the art and really 
had those two groups work together to create even more beautiful pieces and impacts. So that's wonderful. We clearly all agree that everyone, all ages, should be able to experience the gift of the arts. And even with all the awesome work that you're doing, still many individuals don't have arts opportunities. Your founding of Hong Kong YAF is clearly a brilliant solution to this problem, and there's so much passion behind your foundation. In addition to your work, what additional work do you think can be done by individuals in Hong Kong, in the neighborhoods, and in Hong Kong as a whole to continue promoting the arts? I just think making the arts as accessible as possible, rather than say, oh, the arts are only for some people and actually making it elitist or making it inaccessible to actually try and offer opportunities to everybody. I was talking at an event the other night about the future of the arts in Hong Kong. And one of the things that I actually said there, which I will reiterate, is the fact that as a parent, as a teacher, it's our responsibility to encourage the next generation, particularly the littlies, to get involved in the arts at an early age. And it's a bit like creating an art habit. So as a child, you don't want to brush your teeth. So you have to be reminded, you have to be encouraged, you have to be bribed, you have to be whatever to get you to brush your teeth. And it's exactly the same. If you develop in young people a habit of going to the theatre, of going to exhibitions, participating in art projects, then obviously that is going to be something which becomes a core value and a core lifestyle for your future. And that's going to obviously have massive repercussions for the creative industries in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, we have a very small audience base, and particularly at the moment, because unlike places like New York or the West End, where there's a lot of cultural tourism, where people are going to those places because they want to see theatre or they want to see art, Hong Kong really doesn't have that yet. But hopefully, because we've just created a, a new arts district called West Kowloon, that's actually maybe, I hope, in the next year, going to develop into something which will become much better. I think training in Hong Kong, there's a lot to be desired. Obviously, the training that we do is very project-based training. So young people get involved in a project. They're not just training for training's sake. They're not just paying a fee to learn how to do a thing. They're actually getting involved in something which is like a whole professional training. If the more professional training programs actually were better, then I think Hong Kong would also retain people in Hong Kong to do their training rather than anybody who is actually talented is like going to London or going to the States to train. They're really not staying in Hong Kong. So many opportunities of growth there. And I think that our listeners who are artists or people interested in the arts, a lot of ideas to continue to think about in order to improve the arts in Hong Kong, which is already starting to thrive a lot more, especially hopefully after the pandemic. Yes. Another question, which is there's often a stigma and a hesitancy to go into arts careers compared to other traditional careers. And you often hear this. It's really hard to make it in the arts. What would you say to those considering arts careers but are afraid of the uncertainties? I did mention a bit earlier on about there really are no certainties and particularly in Hong Kong. And I think the last three years have really hammered that home because a lot of people have lost their jobs and not just not only people in the arts 
just everybody's been losing jobs. There's been quite an exodus out of Hong Kong. So people have left, whether people will come back again or new people will take their places. So I think whether you're involved in the arts or not, that's actually a thing. I think there's a lot of opportunities in the arts. Nowadays, there are so many more opportunities in the arts than when I was your age, which is obviously a long time ago. You don't have to necessarily only be involved in being an actor or being a dancer or being a visual artist. There are so many creative industries now that young people can get involved in. So I think it's a really exciting time to be involved in the art. And for me, I can't imagine my life if I'd have actually gone into anything but the arts, partly because there's nothing much else that I can do, to be perfectly honest, but also the fact that living my life as anything other than an artist, I just can't even envisage how miserable I'd have been. And we can tell, we cannot imagine the arts world without you as well, especially <laughs> I'm sure Emmy That would is very say true. That. We have a really fun question for you now, Lindsay. We would love to hear, and we're sure our audience is very curious as well at this point. What are the next new exciting projects that you and the foundation are working on? We've always got new things. And one of our most exciting I did mention West Kowloon, which is the new art district. They've invited us to actually partner with them for the next three years on our big show. So you're hearing this first because I haven't even told the Yaffies because this only actually got signed, sealed and delivered very recently. So the next three years of yay, hearing it here first. Next three years of the big show, we'll move to West Kowloon to free space, which is very exciting. Our next project, which is actually happening in about four days, so that's Art in the Park. So again, Evie knows that well because she's part of the Surveys. So this is a big event that traditionally would have it in a park in Causeway Bay. But we're actually, because of COVID, we are actually back in West Kowloon. So they have a large lawn area. So we have giant puppets and art stalls and dances. So that's all happening this weekend. We're doing another project, which is actually a bit of a breakaway. So this is working with members of the community, but adult members of the community. So I did a project about three years ago with one of the local property companies, Swire, which is massive in Hong Kong. And they wanted me to create a performing arts program, which would galvanize the community of Quarry Bay, which is the area that we actually are based in and so I wrote a musical called Cube Culture which poked fun at people working in offices and it was obviously that was the demographic of the performers so it was very appropriate so we were then commissioned to write a sequel which is called Momentai and Momentai is poking fun at the community of Hong Kong so that's happening early next year um, we're continuing our work with the elderly. We have a lot more community arts programs. We work very closely with the Hong Kong Jockey Club, who is one of our biggest partners. Exciting times ahead. As Evie said, Hong Kong is opening up a little bit more now. So I think, yeah, we're just going to go from strength to strength. And as you say, turning 30 next year, yay, lots to celebrate.
Wow, it's always so exciting to hear about all these products. When do you sleep, Lindsay? Oh, you know what? I perpetuate this myth that I'm always super busy, but actually I've got the most amazing team. So it's an all-girl team, all-female team. So there are 12 of us who work full-time in the office, and they share my passion, they share my vision, and they work much harder than I do to actually make all these amazing projects happen. Definitely echo that. They are an amazing team and I can't wait to visit you all when I come back. Yay! So yeah, the, our podcast is coming to an end. Time really flies when you're having fun. We would love to end the podcast with the last question, which is for our listeners out there, are there two or three things that you would like us to take away as lessons from your journey of integrating your passion into your career? Okay. Get off your bum and do it. So... Don't hesitate if you know that's what your life destiny is, just do it. So thank you, Nike, for that. And then I think for me, my motto and slogan for life is if you don't ask, you don't get. And so I'm a big believer in what's the worst thing that can happen to you if you ask for something and you don't get it, people can say no, but it's not actually going to kill you. So if in doubt, ask for something. And then if it's a no, move on. And if it's a yes, celebrate. Yes. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for this amazing podcast session. It was so much fun to prepare and talk to you on here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Yay. Thanks, Lindsay.